Word of God that we have the privilege to be able to ponder this Christmas morning comes from the first chapter of John, where we hear, what child is this? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is the word of our God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I can't help but wonder if those were the words that were running through the mind of Moses as he sat there in utter disbelief at the rebellion of God's people. Why in the world would God create all of this if he knew this is what would happen to us? Moses had just finished witnessing coming down the, mount, down the mountain, Mount Sinai, and saw the Israelites, only two or three months removed from slavery in Egypt, worshiping a golden calf. Because of this, one of the consequences was God said that he would not, no, he could not go with them into the promised land. And instead, he would send his angel. Moses got down on his knees and by prayer and petition pleaded with God, asking him to keep his promise, the promise that he gave them, that he would lead them into that promised land. And God relented. And then Moses asked for one more thing. As a confirmation of said promise, 
Show me your glory. Now, whether this was a wise question to ask God or not, we aren't told. But it did give God an opportunity to give Moses a lesson, to give us a lesson as well, about the difference between God and his creation. And that lesson is this. In all the universe, there are two distinct categories. In category number one, you have God. And that's it. In category number two, you have everything that God created, which includes us. And it's these two categories that could not be more distinct from one another. Even before the fall into sin, it was God who was the creator, and we are the created ones. He is greater, his creation is less. And God was the one who wanted to share his light and his truth with mankind. But rather, our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose darkness instead. And now those two categories are even more distinct. The difference between holiness and sin is further than the east is from the west. It is the very difference between heaven and hell. And it is because of that reason that Moses could not see God's glory in our first reading. Instead, God hid Moses in a cleft in the rock and only permitted him to see his back. Moses could not see the face of God. God's glory would have been too much for it. I always picture it in the sense of that Raiders of the Lost Ark when they actually open the the Ark of the Covenant, that's probably what it would be like if we, in our sinful state, saw God's glory. And so there you have it, two categories, God and his creation. Two categories that could not mingle, that could not mix. And it stayed that way until Christmas. On Christmas, God erased the chasm between those two categories. God made a way for us to see his glory, to see his face. And John summarizes it so succinctly. The word became flesh. God didn't cease to be what he was before, but rather he became what he was not before. He became true man, bone of our bones, flesh of our flesh. He took humanity into his divinity. And we know that with those simple words, the word became flesh. There's an ancient legend that speaks that when the book of John was being read, the devil was in a corner. And he was there until that verse 14 popped up and the word became flesh and then all of a sudden the devil disappeared. Now, yes, I think it was just a legend, but it was a legend to prove a particular point about the importance of that verse, the importance of those words. The devil can put up with Jesus being the light and life of men and the devil secretly laughs when so many people reject that light and life of men. But when that light and life of men, when Jesus, when the word became flesh, 
became part of his creation, took action, the devil knew that he was finished. He was no match for that. And we needed such a savior like that. A savior who could redeem us from the justice of God and from the prince of this world, from death and from sin. Thus, we, he needed to be God, to be strong enough and for his sacrifice to be worth enough. He also needed to be man, true flesh, to be one with us and to be able to die. Martin Luther puts this particular verse and he uses an interesting analogy to explain the the connection with Jesus' humanity and his divinity. And he compares Jesus' divinity to a fish hook. And then his humanity is the worm that goes over the fish hook and so the, the, the hook is hidden. So also when we look at the baby Christ, that divinity is so hidden. And then when the devil took Jesus in death, That hook was still there and ripped open the belly of the devil. See, that's how Martin Luther described a lot of things. So that he could not hold on to Jesus and had to give him up. And so it is with anyone who trusts in the word made flesh. The devil cannot hold him. In the tiny Christ child, born in Bethlehem, placed in a manger, Mary did see the face of God. And we see the face of God too. It completely defies all explanation and all of our reasoning that the God of the universe would put himself in such a weak and helpless state. But this is the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. He is the Word made flesh. May we never cease to be amazed by those words. The Word became flesh. Not at Christmas time, not at any other time of the year. Because the very reason that Moses could not see the glory of God was the reason that the Word did become flesh. To do what was necessary to be done to take away our sins. He still remains that Word made flesh in heaven as he intercedes on our behalf before the Father in heaven. He has promised to come to take us to be with him in heaven. Because of Jesus, we need not be afraid to look at the face of God. Amen. Now may he who began a good work in you carry it out to completion on the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.